Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to BrainStuff from How Stuff Works. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Economists and policymakers have a huge question about Amazon. How big is too big? The $560 billion company first made its name selling books online, but has rapidly morphed into an everything store, with its hands in just about every retail sector in America. There's no question that Amazon dominates e-commerce. In 2016, its online sales were six times greater than those of Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Nordstrom, Home Depot, Macy's, Kohl's, and Costco combined. But is Amazon's incredible success bad for consumers and the economy? We spoke with Lena Khan, Director of Legal Policy at the Open Markets Institute, a think tank that warns about the dangers of monopolies. They believe that Amazon represents a new kind of monopoly for the digital economy. The problem is not only that Amazon commands such a huge share of all online sales, 43% in 2016, 
but that so much of the rest of the digital economy is dependent on Amazon's technology platform. Khan compares Amazon to a 19th century railroad company that decides which oil drillers and wheat farmers can ship on its tracks and at what cost. Because of Amazon's e-commerce dominance, smaller retailers feel compelled to sell on Amazon's third-party marketplace platform. Amazon has been accused of using its market position to bully book publishers over prices and to introduce its own cheaper products when a third-party retailer has a hot seller. We also spoke with John Rossman, a former Amazon executive and managing director at the Seattle consulting firm Alvarez and Marcel. He doesn't see Amazon's behavior as monopolistic, just a classic example of coopetition, a combination of competition and cooperation. He said, "You're competing with Amazon, you're partnering with Amazon, you're using their services yourself, so you're a customer of them as an organization. You've got a very complex relationship." The problem with accusing Amazon of being a monopoly is that it doesn't quite fit with the prevailing definition of monopoly, which has been used by courts and the Federal Trade Commission since the 1970s. Mark Scriber of the Competitive Enterprise Institute, a free market libertarian think tank, says the issue isn't bigness but consumer welfare. In general, a company can grow as much as it wants and control as much of the market as it wants as long as prices don't go up and consumers don't suffer. You can make the opposite case about Amazon. The online retailer is so wildly popular with American consumers, a one in four U.S. adults, that's 63 million people, are Amazon Prime members, precisely because of its low prices and mostly free shipping. But Khan and others would argue that the consumer welfare focus of antitrust law is outdated and misplaced. Yes, consumers love low prices, but at what cost? More and more market power and influence is being consolidated in the hands of one company. With Amazon's practice of buying up competitors like Zappos.com and Diapers.com and expanding into new markets, for example, when Amazon acquired Whole Foods in 2017 with plans to disrupt the grocery industry, its grip on the economy is only likely to tighten. But again, does Amazon's rapid expansion and increasing market dominance mean that it's doing anything illegal? Scriber says there's no evidence that Amazon is using its market power to engage in anti-competitive practices right now. Instead, Amazon's critics are always warning about what might happen in the future, like leverage Whole Foods' 450 locations to push out competition in the grocery delivery business. And despite its size, Amazon currently only makes up 3.6 percent of annual retail revenue in the United States. Walmart is still much larger. Scribner said that isn't how antitrust law works. There isn't an antitrust pre-crime. There has to be actual anti-competitive conduct that occurred for someone to be convicted. But what about updating the antitrust laws, as Khan has called for, to reflect the danger posed by a single technology company not only acting as a gatekeeper to the digital economy but expanding its reach into the physical world? Kurt Hessler, a former economist with the Carter administration and a lecturer in antitrust law at the UCLA School of Law, says that Amazon's business model is unprecedented, and we simply don't know enough about them to rewrite the antitrust laws. Hessler said. Economists don't know enough about how all this works and where it's going, and how fast it can change to be able to change the whole legal landscape, intelligently anyway. Any general principles that are established in Amazon's case will be applied across the whole digital economy, and nobody knows what sort of effects those would have. Today's episode was written by Dave Ruse and produced by Tristan McNeil. For more on this and lots of other tricky legal topics, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.